Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Eau Claire. And, uh, wow, we've had some challenges even getting the podcast on the air with technology and a snowstorm and pileups on Highway 41, but that's nothing compared to the troubles that the Green Bay Packers have been having just trying to play basic football, and that was never more clear than it was this past Thanksgiving when the Packers were stomped by the Detroit Lions 40-10 to 10, uh, in what is one of the most dominating performances I can uh, recall uh, the Packers being the recipients of. So, uh, Matt, this is the first uh, Packers Thanksgiving game we've ever uh, not watched together, and uh, I think I know your reaction to it, but gosh, was that about as low as I've ever seen the Packers look in our time watching? Yeah, I was pretty glad I didn't have to watch that one with you. <laughs> I don't know what your reaction was like, I guess. I gave yeah. up hope pretty darn fast, so I was pretty yeah. calm almost watching the, the Germans roll through Paris after knowing they were on their way. Yeah, I guess I was kind of the same way. I mean, at this point, what do you expect? Um, I mean, that's the worst we've looked so far without Rodgers, but, and I mean, I mean, let's be honest, Detroit's not a great team, but, uh, they made us look pretty foolish, and, uh, and, and nobody played well, it seemed like. The defense forced, what, four turnovers in the first half and still gets steamrolled. I mean, that just doesn't happen Mm -hmm. to an NFL team, so. Um, I, mean, I mean, there's nothing left to say about this team without Aaron Rodgers, and we're gonna, I'm sure, against a bad Atlanta Falcons team, we'll see the same thing on Sunday if Rodgers still can't suit up. It's just, there's just not much there when he's not on the field. Yeah, and, and people want to point to that three and nine Atlanta Falcons record, but outside of Julio Jones missing, this is basically man for man the team right. that was ten yards away from Super Bowl forty seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not like this is just gonna be some kind of cakewalk. Um, the Packers. Uh, Some interesting statistics here. This uh, November was the Packers' first winless month since September of 2005. Um, And that was, of course, in their 4-12 season. But that only encompassed three games. If you want to go to their first winless month that included four or more games, you have to go all the way back to December of 1990 uh, when the Packers lost all five of their contests in that game. Um, The yardage was remarkable. Detroit out, or had 30 first downs to Green Bay's seven. They had 561 yards of total offense to Green Bay's 126. I looked this up on ProFootballReference.com. There have been 13,471 games played since 1940, and only 16 have had a more lopsided total yardage margin than the Packers and Lions had on Thursday. Hmm. How embarrassing is that? Yeah, and I mean, you just go down the list here. I I had the stats up, and I was looking at it, and I I guess I haven't looked too much back on this game since then because I just kind of wiped my hands clean of it after I watched it. (laughs) But, I mean, you look at... At the yards per carry, I mean, their, their running backs were, you know, 5.9, 4.9, 24, and 8. Um, they had five receivers, I take that back, six receivers over 11 yards a catch. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely insane. Um, and then, of, of course, we let Jeremy Ross have his only good game in, in his whole NFL career as well, too. So. Yeah, that makes things even worse. So, I mean, it was it was both extremes. You have a, our defense playing miserable their offense didn't even look that great we just played you know very poorly and obviously on the other end of things our offense was about the worst offense I've seen in a single game in a really long time too Mm -hmm. yeah so much for the the Matt Flynn excitement (laughs) yeah yeah very disappointing I'm I don't I don't know what to say I mean he's we've seen him do it before um, but he looked completely hapless back there. He was just holding the ball, 
and it, it's hard to tell what kind of routes the receivers were running if they were even giving him a chance, but he just would hold and hold and hold, and Jordy Nelson seemed to be getting pretty frustrated, and it was just really, really hard to watch. Yeah, and it's hard to even pick a point to begin critiquing just because they were so bad uh, in every facet of the game. It's like, if you look at the stat line, they are lucky that they did not lose this game 80 to nothing. Like, yeah. And I'm not even joking about that. If, if you take away Detroit's four turnovers, they should have won, fine, maybe not 80, but they should have won 70 to 0 almost, if you think about it. And, and I, I never thought I would see the Packers get that dominated. And I think, you know, it, it's sad to see what's happened um, this season with a lot of different things. But if anything, we've talked about this in the past. We don't know if it'll necessarily bring up about change. But where would you rank this Packer team right now in in the NFL landscape without Aaron Rodgers? And I know that's taking the best player away, but, you know, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers have won quite a few games without Ben Roethlisberger. I, I have a hard time believing that the New England Patriots would be completely inept without Tom Brady losing every game by two touchdowns. And they've done it before without Brady. Yeah, exactly. Matt Castle comes in and, and wins them 11 games. So um, where would you rank this Packer team right now in, in the NFL? Without Aaron Rodgers, I mean, it's hard to argue that they're better than anybody anymore. And I've I've kind of like... I've reduced the teams that are better than over the last few weeks. When you told me a couple weeks ago that this is probably the worst team in the NFL without Rodgers, and I completely denied it. And then last week, my tune changed to maybe just like Jacksonville and a couple of teams. But I'm pretty convinced after what we saw, there's no way Jacksonville or Houston or Atlanta loses like that against Detroit yeah. on Thursday. Um, it's hard to imagine that they're better than anybody. And maybe they had... You know, and just a really, really bad day. I don't think they're maybe as bad as what we saw, but it's hard to really do a good argument that they're better than anybody because I'm pretty sure that every other team has won over the, the course of their last four games mm-hmm. that they've lost. I, I could be wrong on that, but I mean, Jacksonville's won a couple of games. Houston um, has not won. Houston has lost, what, nine in a row? Yeah. But they almost beat New England on Sunday. Yep, that's true. So. Um, and this Packer team wouldn't have almost beat New England on Sunday. <laughs> Probably so not. I, I guess I'm having a hard – I hate to say they're the worst in the NFL because there's some bad teams out there, but I, it's hard to argue that they're better than anybody after what we saw. Yeah, and I guess the, the frustrating thing about that is obviously their offense is crippled because uh, Aaron Rodgers is out, and, and that's going to happen to a lot of teams. But the thing that I find most distressing about this team is that their defense – I know we don't think this defense is that good, but they are not, they're not even competitive right now, and one of the main things that I hear is injuries with this team. Who on defense that matters was injured on Thursday? Right. Like, if Jarrell Worthy's in there, all of a sudden they're this, this clamp down defense. Is Robert Francois a gaping hole that you can't fill? Yeah, I mean, they've got their so-called stars in there still, and for whatever reason, the last two weeks especially, I mean, they had a pretty good front seven early in the year, and also in the last two weeks, I mean, the running game especially, you've seen two backs on each team, Minnesota and now Detroit, just completely run you over. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, yeah, Adrian Peterson's great, but then you have Joyk Bell, Toby Gerhardt, and even Reggie Bush. You Reggie know. Bush looked like Barry Sanders on Thursday. He hasn't looked that good since he played Fresno State. Yeah, I mean, six yards a carry, 13 yards a catch on five catches, I mean, he just absolutely torched them. So, I mean, it's not like a lot of these guys are, are world beaters or anything. And it's, I, I guess if you have Steven Jackson and 
uh, Jacquez Rogers on your fantasy team, you better start him this week too. <laughs> but but you're right, they haven't been competitive. I mean, you force four turnovers, yeah, that's great, and your offense leaves you on the field forever. But that doesn't mean you have to give up, you know, 20 yards of play. Mm-hmm. Or I, it wasn't quite that much, obviously, but obvi- it was a, a pretty good number, I'm sure. It was real close. I think it was. Gosh, it was right around ten, I think, if if I remember correctly, something in the high nines. Yeah, they uh, they threw for fifteen yards a catch, and they ran for almost six yards a carry. Ugh. So I w- you're probably pretty close. It's probably like eight or nine yards a play per play, not you know per completion or anything per play. That's like Oregon playing against you know the bottom feeders of the Pac-12, yeah, like Colorado or something. Um, that is unbelievable, and and. They did shut down Calvin Johnson, I guess. The, he, six catches for 101 yards, and I know we kind of joked about that earlier in the year where Dom seems to be able to focus on one thing and take it away and then, uh, you know, completely let everybody else run wild. So I guess if you want to shut down Calvin Johnson and only allow his teammates to get uh, 460 yards of offense in addition to his yards, then I guess mission accomplished. But, right. Um, I, I, uh, by the way, I looked up Colin Kaepernick, and I know we kind of crowned him as an elite quarterback after his two performances against Dom Capers, and his 412 yards against the Packers in Week 1 is still almost 20% of his uh, yardage for the season. <laughs> it, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and you made the comment the other day, or it was actually a couple of weeks ago, that you think that Dom Capers is pretty much screwed the 49ers for their future because maybe they made a mistake getting rid of Aaron Rodgers because other than or Alex Smith. Packers, yeah other against yeah yeah obviously they they should have taken Aaron Rodgers but getting rid of Alex Smith because I mean other than the couple of games against the Packers I mean he played pretty well in the Super Bowl and a couple other games last year but those are the two games that have made his career at this point yeah and and he has not looked good this season other than that like you watch that that 49ers Redskins game last week was just awful to watch I, I don't know if you watched a lot of it but I didn't watch hardly any of it I mean Kaepernick made RG3 or he he looked good compared to RG3 but I mean, he didn't look good by by his own standards either so mm-hmm. I don't know yeah I, they made his career and they're I think they're probably going to keep making a lot of guys careers <laughs> they'll probably get the Falcons turned back around here this week they'll probably get the Bears and the Steelers and the Cowboys all into the playoffs these, these next few weeks too yeah they uh, launched Nick Foles career and uh, yep. resurrected Eli's and they're, they're trying their best to help everyone out <laughs> uh, it feels like Dom's defense has done nothing but provide really fun highlights for other teams for the yeah. most part um so, obviously, the big thing, uh, we expected some news today on whether or not Aaron Rodgers would play on Sunday, and typically of Mike McCarthy, we got absolutely no news. He's not out for Sunday, but he's not medically cleared either. Um, at this point, Matt, um, I guess both, we talked about this last week, but what do you think is going to happen going forward, but what do you want to happen uh, as a Packer fan? Uh, should Aaron Rodgers be playing uh, not only Sunday, but ever again for the rest of 2013? I think he's going to play, um, and I'm really torn on if I want him to. I'm. I feel like if he comes back, there there is a chance. I, not that I thought that this team was great with him, but I think with the teams you're playing, there is a chance you can run the table. I mean, it's not outlandish to think you can beat a, a few average teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's it's not worth it either. And in, in mm-hmm. the same regards, if he gets re-injured. He's probably missing a few games early into next year and has, you know, further potential to get injured even. Mm-hmm. I, I'm super torn on this right now because this team, I can't imagine this is a Super Bowl contending team with the way the defense is playing. Yeah. So when you think about it, it I guess what's really the point that he plays? 
Uh, I, I mean, I want to see him play so bad the rest of the year here and just finish it out and come back and look healthy and look good. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't even know if I've got a good answer for you. I, I've, I guess I'm not going to be heartbroken if he doesn't come back and we finish out the season with five wins and maybe get a higher draft pick. But at the same time, if he comes back and wins three or four games and looks good doing it, I'm going to feel a lot better about this team going forward too. But sure. maybe winning only five games actually enacts some change in the front office and with the, with the roster. So mm-hmm. maybe that's best. I, I guess I'm kind of 50-50 right now. Yeah, and I feel like I'm torn quite a bit too. Uh, selfishly, I have tickets to the Steeler game um, now on the 22nd, so I would like to see him and Big Ben square mm-hmm. off. But as a Packer fan, this team almost deserves to go 5-10-1. Yeah, it feels like it, yeah. And I think it, you know, that... that we don't have a lot of time today, just given the circumstances, but maybe something later in the season if this continues. Part of me is like, I want him to tank to get a high draft pick, but, you know, they released Ron McMillan today, and this, in light of the way some of those other guys have played, I don't know if I trust Ted to make bank on a high draft pick right, right. now. And so I, I think maybe it would help the team more if, if they lost out and maybe got some higher draft positioning, give them some chance to move about. Um, Aaron Rodgers or not, this team is not a Super Bowl team. It's not a contender. And if you take this Packer team and put them in CenturyLink Field against the Seattle team that I saw last night, they not might not win if you gave them a thousand tries. Yeah. And so I don't know what necessarily is the point of of Trotton Rodgers out there. And one of the things that honestly has really irritated me. Um, hearing fans just say, well, Rodgers should come back even if he's at 95%. If he breaks his collarbone, so what? I mean, he's going to have a, a rehab of uh, five or six months likely, and then he'll be back next year. Um, imagine somebody coming to your desk tomorrow and be like, we really need you at this seminar. Uh, we don't need you for uh, this uh, event or this project until next June. So if you get crash in a car accident and you break your leg, um, it's okay. You can just take some time off and then uh, we'll come back as soon as you're healthy. I mean, breaking your collarbone's not fun, and I it, I wouldn't risk my health for the selfish reason of I don't want to go through the rehab and I don't want to put myself on the line to help a team that quite clearly stinks. Yeah, and I don't feel like as a fan watching him get hit a whole bunch of times in the next four games either and having to cringe and worry if he's going to get up every single time when your whole franchise is on the line every time that guy gets hit. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess maybe just kind of talking this over with you, I'm starting to lean a little bit more towards not wanting him to play at all, I guess. Yeah, I, I kind of am finding myself uh, feeling that way a little bit too. Well, before we go to Crossfire, which will make up the second half of this show, I just had to ask you... If you well, I, I knew you didn't watch much of last night's game, but I don't know if you saw highlights or anything. But is there any doubt that, barring something completely unexpected, that Seattle is going to be your NFC representative in the Super Bowl this year? It's hard to imagine. I mean, really, the only thing that I could see happening they're they're most like like there's like a 99% chance they get the home field advantage now. They're not going to lose, you know, mm-hmm. two or three of their next games. Mm-hmm. Um, I could, you know, maybe San Francisco or Carolina goes into town and, and puts up a fight, but I think even more importantly to me is how is an AFC team going to beat Seattle in a cold New York Super Bowl? Oh, I mean, yeah. do you think Peyton has a chance at like, playing this Seattle defense after what you saw from Drew Brees last night? No. Um, or Brady, I, even. I mean, yeah, Brees or even was Brady. running for his life, and he's much more mobile than either of those guys. If Seattle was in the AFC still, I'd put everything I own on them making the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot 
there's a few better teams in the NFC that might give them a chance uh, to lose, but Carolina it's, it's, could beat them. Carolina's yeah, I, got a chance. They're a very similar team, so I I think that they could maybe match up well there. But it's it's really hard to imagine. But at the same time, you kind of it's like that the odds you would think this team can't really win every single game at home. I mean, they didn't lose any last year, I don't think, right? And they haven't lost any this year. Correct, yeah. Or at least not with Russell Wilson as the starter. So Mm -hmm. it's hard to imagine them never losing at home again, but it's hard to imagine anybody going in in there and beating them either. I hope so much that they don't. They just – I sound like an old-timer, but I just hate those guys. They're so cocky. After – People are scoring touchdowns. Like, Jimmy Graham had a really nice touchdown, and it was 17-7. He did, like, a flex move that everybody does. And there's, like, two guys, like, waiting for him at the goal line ready to fight. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? I hate Pete Carroll. He just drives me nuts. And and all those guys getting suspended left and right for substance abuse. It it feels like playmakers when those guys are out there. And, I mean, some people might find that appealing, but I feel so weird that this Sunday I'm probably going to be not necessarily rooting for, but hoping very much so that San Francisco puts a big whooping on them. Yeah, and it probably has a lot to do with last year, too, but I find myself being really irritated by Russell Wilson, too. I mean, you, you just hear the guy talk, and it's like, ah, shut up. It's just so rehearsed. and it, He's got that backhanded arrogance that almost, yeah. like, Rodgers does it sometimes, but very much like Brett Favre does, where it's just kind of like, if you just listen to it real quick and not think about it, you think he's being humble, but then when you actually pay attention to what he's saying, he's just bragging about how great he is. Right, yeah, I, he kind of irritates me, and I, I I agree. I mean, I've, I've kind of always liked the Seahawks, but I, I don't like this team, and I don't like Pete Carroll, and they, they seem to think they're above a lot of things, and you, including drug testing, too, oh, which yeah. <laughs> which might be their downfall. I mean, if more of their guys get busted, they're already missing a couple of guys right now, and it didn't seem to affect them too much, but... Well, That's, I heard they're going to be off it a little bit now because Pete Carroll went in the locker room and said, Hey, hey, off the sauce, okay! And then they <laughs> went out to the practice field. But we'll see. Um, I guess I'm cheering for uh, Scam Newton and the uh, Carolina Panthers a little bit going forward. Yeah, me too. I mean, that's that's probably the the team I'm going to be rooting for throughout if we don't make it. Pretty fun to watch. I mean, they, they seem like they would match up pretty well against Seattle. I think that's a pretty good matchup. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. You're, you're right that they're... They're almost clones of each other, even down to the quarterback. Uh, they both have a very similar style of play. Uh, Cam's a little bigger. I think Russell's a little bit better of a passer, but uh, that should be interesting going forward. Yep. Okay, now let's get to Crossfire. And that signifies the beginning of Crossfire, the segment where we take topics and we debate them in rapid succession. Uh, We also have some Facebook uh, contributions to Crossfire. But uh, before Facebook, I think we'll each do one, um, Matt and I. Uh, Would you like to start or would you like me to start? Sure, I can start you off with one here. Okay. All righty. So I'm going to ask you which of these three, and maybe you don't think any of them, but you got to pick one. Okay. Which of three, these three players is the biggest phony? So whether it's because of players around him or you just maybe don't believe that they're as good as as that they've shown here. Okay, so, so I've got so phony and as not as good as advertised or right, okay. right. So big phony. You got to call somebody a big <laughs> phony here. Okay, I got Matt Stafford, kind of so being made by Calvin Johnson, kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, Wes Welker, 
Although I think he's great. He's played with Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, and it's not real physically imposing. Yeah. And um, Matt Forte, who mm. is productive, but I don't. If you watch him play, he just just seems super underwhelming, but always <laughs> seems to produce. Uh, so give me give me a huge phony out of those guys. Okay, I, I say the least out of that is Matt Forte, just because yeah. the Bears have tried so many guys. Uh, in that role with the same offense, and none of them have been anywhere close to as successful as Forte has been. Um, Stafford, obviously, is tremendously helped by Calvin Johnson, uh, but Calvin Johnson was never quite as good as he has been playing with the Dan Orlovskis of the world. So mm-hmm. I will say that it's Wes Welker just because we've seen so many guys in this era come into the NFL as wide receivers from Huge colleges, little colleges, colleges you've never heard of, and just be awesome. So quite frankly, I don't think being a wide receiver is all that hard. He catches a ton of short routes. I mean, all that hard relatively for people who are in football. I couldn't do it, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I'm not too convinced that you couldn't put Jared Aberderis in those two offenses and he couldn't do the same thing as a pro. So I will say Wes Welker. Yeah, and I, I do agree with some of that, but I think the way he's done it, I mean, he has been great at it. I mean, you can't cover the guy, I, and I think that's the reason why New England traded for him from Miami in the first place. And I think that he obviously has been made by quarterbacks. If he's played for you know bad teams, he hasn't had the career he's had. But I think that it, his production speaks for itself. I mean, he's he's going to be one of the leaders in the NFL history and, and catches and stuff when he goes when he, when he's done playing. Yeah. Um, I I would kind of agree with your order so far, except I think. Maybe for the sake of argument, I might put Welker at two here and put Stafford at one. Okay. Um, my main reason for that is last season and watching Matt Stafford just look like he completely lost it. Yeah. And didn't look accurate anymore, just played poorly <laughs> overall. And I just, having seen that, and I guess you got to make the players around you better. He's never had another good receiver on his team besides Calvin Johnson. And maybe that's hurting, but maybe that has something to do with him, too, kind of saying that the only thing he can do is throw it up to the biggest freak in the history of the NFL, and he comes down with it. Sure. Um, so I guess I'll say Stafford, I think. I think if you put him on a team you know, with an assortment of receivers like like most teams have, not with you know Kelvin Johnson, I think he's kind of an average quarterback. Okay, I, I can see that. and That's probably one of my crossfire questions that I'll get to another time, but uh, it's very possible to make a very uh, compelling argument that Calvin Johnson right now is the best receiver in the history of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe we don't even have to do that one. Okay, um, my crossfire question for you is, in your opinion, what is the most important position in the NFL after the quarterback? Ooh, that's tough. I hmm. you remember like a few years ago, everybody was saying corner when Darrell Revis was at the top of his game because of how well he was playing. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that I completely agreed with that either. Um, left tackle is very valued, and that's really tough. I think there's a lot of them that are really similar. I guess I'm going to say a good middle linebacker I'll take. Because, okay. um, I mean, if you've got a guy like Patrick Willis or Luke Keekley uh, on your defense, it's, it seems to lead to a great defense, I guess, and, and they're always the leaders back there. So I guess I'll take a, a really good middle linebacker. Um, it seems like pass rushers, you need two or three for them to be super effective. So I guess a middle linebacker can kind of do it by themselves. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Um, I was going to say a safety. I'm not sure which which one, but just thinking of uh, guys like Troy Polamalu and mm-hmm. even guys like, like Ronnie Lott and Charles Woodson when he was kind of doing the hybrid role. Yeah. I mean, those guys changed everything. But now having you mention that, 
I can't think of a single instance in NFL history where a team had a really good middle linebacker and a bad defense. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think safety's still a, a good one because they might get their hands on the ball more than a middle linebacker does. Uh, but I think the middle linebacker might. I hate to be the one to use intangibles. I'm more of a stat guy, but maybe instill a sense of confidence and control in your defense uh, that allows for other people to make big plays. So I guess uh, I, I think I'm going to have to agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> do we want to do a Facebook one? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I can. Uh, I'll go through a Hayden Hayden Fleming had one for us here. Um, we kind of touched on this a few weeks ago, but he threw another team in here too as well. Um, he says, "What's your most? Who's your most shocking this season um, in terms of?" bad performance he has the Texans the Falcons or the Redskins um I think for me it's it's got to be the Falcons I'm not sure what I said a few weeks ago but you said Houston yeah I said Falcons so you changed your mind to my my opinion as well on that one well I think with the Falcons the more I think about it is they just haven't lost enough well the reason Houston is because their defense we talked about this a couple weeks ago was number one in the NFL Mm -hmm. and so it was so confusing as to why they were so bad but both Houston especially had a so-so quarterback situation. Arian Foster's been out. You can kind of explain why they're bad. They got you know Case Keenum in there now. They got Ben Tate. Their offense has been gutted by injuries and ineffective play. Washington last year had a very poor passing defense. That's continued into this season. Robert Griffin III is clearly not back to what he was before. But Atlanta is the same team that almost went to the Super Bowl like several times in the last four years. And and wide receivers aren't important enough to lose Julio Jones and Roddy White sometimes, then all of a sudden your team completely crumbles. I thought Matt Ryan was better than that. I thought that defense was better than that. And I thought that coaching staff was better than that. So the fact that they've continued to just stink week after week, getting in a dogfight with the Buffalo Bills of all teams on a neutral site game uh, just really – I can't believe that they're that bad, and it really makes me reconsider how good of a quarterback Matt Ryan is. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you again. So I, I did say Atlanta a couple of weeks ago, and I think at this point, we didn't even talk about Washington at the time. It was Houston and Atlanta for us. Mm. But I think I think Washington snuck ahead of Houston for me. If you were to tell me at the beginning of the year that Case Keenum's their starting quarterback, Arian Foster's out for the year, Brian Cushing's out for the year, I would say, okay, yeah, I can see this being a 3-4 win team. Um, but Washington... Much like Atlanta, they have most of the same pieces as last year. Mm-hmm. It's just been a difference in quarterback play has kind of put them down the, the, the pipes here. But mm-hmm. I think Atlanta, just because I didn't see Matt Ryan being this bad. And mm-hmm. like you said, they've had receiver injuries, but if you're an elite quarterback, which I, I actually did think he was, and maybe he still will be, mm-hmm. but uh, I, that surprises me the most for a team that, that's been so consistent to be so awful, uh, to get blown up by like Tampa Bay and just not be competitive, <laughs> I think is really shocking. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, do you want to do another Facebook one, or do you want to do one of yours? Sure, I, I can do another Facebook one here. Sure. Um, unless, do you have it pulled up here? You could do one, too. Uh, no, um, you, okay. you got it. All righty, so uh, Eric Hansen here had a couple of them for us, and um, he said, let me go down the list here. He actually had, I think he actually has a whole bunch of them for us here. No. Um, well, well, we'll we'll speed it up and do them truly crossfire style. Okay, yeah, there we go. So, like, one-word answers here. Number okay. one, what's needed more to improve this team? A new defensive coordinator, a new personnel in the secondary? As much as the D coordinator needs to go, they need personnel. It, it doesn't work no matter what they try. Okay, yeah, and I, uh, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you here. I'm going to say coordinator. They need both, yeah. but uh, I think, like you said, they've cycled players through, and the coordinator's been the consistent, so I say new sure. coordinator. 
Um, number two, if the Packers don't make the playoffs this year and the next, is there any chance Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy will be fired? Not unless they both go. Uh, they're they're joined at the hip. If Ted stays, Mike stays, and obviously vice versa. So um, I will say no. A Super Bowl buys you at least three bad seasons. I'm going to say yes next year. I think if this team is still standing the way it is and they go, you know, five and eleven next year, I think there's a very good chance. If you if you do it with Aaron Rodgers and look how you've looked this year, if you have a losing record with Aaron Rodgers, That's I think a there's point. a chance. So is that based on panic that you'll never get back to prominence as the clock ticks on Aaron Rodgers' career? Well, I think it's just showing that the team that you've built with its full potential, say if everybody stays healthy and you're still bad, okay. I mean you've built your whole team to be that and you're you know if you have a bad record sure. uh, i think if they're close to the playoffs they they might still stick around but i think a bad season would would get them gone okay i, I uh, could agree with that I, I guess my main point is that mike won't go as long as ted's the gm yeah i agree i think they're <laughs> they're going to stick around for as long as they can together i agree with that yeah um number 3 was thursday's loss to the lions the worst performance by a packers offensive line in recent memory um in recent memory what was the game when Rodgers got sacked? Well, no, uh, it's got to be the first two games of 09 when I think Rodgers got sacked. I forget who, who the two guys were. I think Odom on the Bengals sacked him four times in week two, and the week before he got sacked like four or five times by some schlub on the Bears. So I think uh, Alan Barber's short string as a starter was worse than we saw on Thursday. Wasn't... Uh... Wasn't that last year, that Seattle game, where Rodgers got sacked like 300 times in the first half? Oh, eight times in the first half. Yeah, that was worse. I guess that's one that's coming to my mind, is I'm going to say that one. Yeah, that was combined with uh, the the Mike McCarthy 5 Mississippi offense, though. Yeah. Alrighty. And uh, number four, name in order what you think the three biggest personnel needs are in the offseason for the Packers. So one through three, one being the most important. Uh, safety, uh, cornerback, anybody on the offensive line. Yeah, that's kind of my thought too. I'd say safety one. I would say I would actually say a, maybe a middle linebacker second, and I would say I'll just say guard. But yeah, anybody on the offensive line is needed. They need um, D line too. They they need everything. Obviously, <laughs> they're proving that. So I, you yeah. can't really go wrong. You could just shout out three random positions, and you're right. Unless you say punter. They need everybody not named Aaron Rodgers, Jordy Nelson, and Clay Matthews. Tim Mastey. Oh, Tim Mastey. Tim Mastey's maybe you know the he's a lock even more so than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, <laughs> and that's all that Eric's got. So if you got one more for me here, we can do that too. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, if you got one queued up right away, I got like a list of eight that I'm trying to. Come on here, I've done like six in a row. All well, right. Well, <laughs> my, okay, fine, go. My last one for you is gonna be: you have to choose the best number six AFC wild card team. So the top oh. five teams are pretty much already locked in. Okay. You have to choose from Ravens, Dolphins, Titans, Steelers, Chargers, Jets, Raiders, Browns, Bills. Any of those are still alive. You've got to tell me the best team. Um, gosh, that's that's really hard. I'm, I'm going to go with San Diego. I think their defense kind of stinks, but Baltimore is so hit or miss. Pittsburgh's offense seems inept uh, a lot of times, and Phillip Rivers is white hot right now, so they're definitely the scariest to play, I think. And their defense is good enough that they could uh, surprise some people. Yeah, I think you mentioned the three that I I had in mind, too, Ravens, Steelers, Chargers. I think I I think Pittsburgh's the best team. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs because that's a big loss to Baltimore the other day on Thursday, but um, I, I guess I think Pittsburgh's the best out of the three teams, though. Okay, um, and here's kind of a, a difficult one for you, but uh, maybe you won't have to go the whole 
history of the franchise, but who is the best Packer in franchise history that was not on a championship team? Oh, man. Um, I mean, there's three huh, I hate big to, ones off the top of my head. I hate to leave a lot of the guys out. Well, they were winning championships before this. I was going to hate to leave out any of the older guys, but they all won championships. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I'm going to say... I guess I'll say Sterling Sharp, um, short career, but I think overall, I think he was probably the best one, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think the the three big ones, I think, are clearly, uh, well, there's some defensive guys, too, that you could throw in there, but clearly the big ones are Sterling Sharp, James Lofton, and honestly, Amon Green. Mm-hmm. I, I would say Sterling is the best because he dominated the NFL record book for a single-season standpoint, which um, I don't know if you hold it equal, but certainly both of us value dominance in your time more than we do kind of the cumulative long-term stats. Yeah. And that's more of what James Lofton was all about. He certainly is right up there. Amon Green in 2003 might be the best running back I ever saw in one season. Um, well, maybe not the best, but he's up there. I, I would put his... Uh, 2003 season, not too far behind, you know, Adrian Peterson last year and Tomlinson in 06. He was legit uh, unstoppable that year. So I, I would say special mention to him, but I think i got to agree with you. It's got to be Sterling. Sure. Um, are, are we done? We want to do one more or not? I've got none left, but if you got another one, bring it on. Okay, i got one more for you. It's kind of a double question, but it's more fun to end with. Matt and I, for the longest time, have talked about – Uniform contrastors, which are uniforms that look cool against one another. Actually, Gridiron Uniform Database is a website that you should check out, Matt, because they value that as much as you and I do. They actually rates the uniform matchups for each. Really? Week. Yeah, it's a, it's a great website. But a uh, couple of, of them for you, and uh, hopefully you can remember them all. What are your favorite uniform contrastors in Super Bowl history, the current NFL, and of all time? Oh, man. Well, for the current NFL one, what was the one I texted you about the other day? I don't even remember that. It's like, that's my favorite contrasting uniforms. I, I don't even remember Packers, what it was. Packers at Giants, I think. Packers-Giants. Oh, I, lo- I think that's my favorite current one. Yeah. Um, I love the Giants. I really like the Giants uniforms. They're, like, the only ones that use the regular blue helmets in the whole NFL. Everybody's navy blue. I like how those look. So, yeah. um, Cowboys and Steelers have some good matchups with people, too. But I'll say Packers-Giants current. Okay. Um, I'll say Super Bowl... I'm going to go classic here. I really like the, the 70s Steelers uh, Cowboys ones for those. That's a great one, yeah. Um, and then what was the last one? Um, I guess of all time, so you can throw any of those in. Oh, yeah, I got this one. Early 90s Bills Oilers. Oh, gosh, that's a great one. <laughs> uh, you got you to love the Bills Oilers. Uh, Frank Reich comes to mind. Yep. Um, current NFL and all time for me are honestly uh, the same. I love the Packers road uniforms at the traditional Bears. Yeah. Um, to me, I just love the Packers at Bears Soldier Field matchup. Um, and, I, and I really like those Bears uh, jerseys, too, the older ones with the orange numbers. I really like those ones. I do, too, but I, I still like their classic ones yeah. more, I think. Um, Super Bowl history, th- there are so many uh, really good matchups. Um the reason I thought of this question is because I had seen highlights of last year's Super Bowl, and that is a pretty underrated uniform matchup. The Baltimore Black Pants at the traditional San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a pretty good one. I, I think I'm going to have to agree with you, though. Nothing screams Super Bowl like Steelers Black against the Dallas uh, Silver and White. Mm-hmm. Uh, so i, I got to go with that one as well. 
All right, so that wraps up Crossfire. Uh, if you ever want us to debate any of your Crossfire topics, you can leave them on the Facebook page at Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook. You can also leave a comment under this uh, podcast you're likely listening to uh, on our website, which is Green Gold Forever. That's the number four dot podbean dot com. Uh, you can reach us in any other number of ways that you see on the on the website or you've heard in past podcasts. We don't use the email or the uh, um, the Twitter. Uh, pay, profile, I guess. What are what are Twitter things <laughs> called? But we don't use those that much. But if you you get in contact with us there, we'll definitely respond to you. So up next for the Packers is the Atlanta Falcons at Lambeau Field. Um, not sure yet whether or not Aaron Rodgers is going to play. I guess. What are your predictions? Uh, one for if Aaron does play, and one if he doesn't play. All right, I'm going to say. 20 to 10 without Aaron Rodgers. I think Atlanta's offense is pretty bad too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll 20 say 10 with victory. 20 to 10 loss. Okay. I don't think there's any way the Packers put up more than 10 points I would agree. Uh, without Aaron Rodgers. And I guess I, I I'll predict a win if he plays. Um, I'll say 27 17 with Rodgers. Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. I don't think Rodgers is just going to come out with all guns blazing. So right. If Aaron Rodgers plays, I think they'll win 24 to 20. Uh, if he doesn't play, I think Atlanta wins. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna agree with you, but I'll say just for the difference, I'll say twenty three to fourteen. Yeah, I think I think even if he does play, they're gonna be super run heavy, but you at least have the confidence that he can make a throw if he has to. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. You you're not just gonna be completely inept on third down, but he might be incredibly tentative, so he might be throwing the ball away or throwing quick. You never know what could happen. Yeah. Um, nobody's ever considered the fact that this collarbone injury could actually not make him, you know, the best quarterback of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh so Whatever, we'll see. But until then, hopefully uh, next week we'll have uh, a chance to talk to you again and maybe talk about a Packers victory for the first time since October 27th, which is ridiculous. But uh, until then, have a great week. Dodge the snow and uh, take care, everyone.